Welcome to the Think Inspired Podcast. If you're looking to make your dreams a reality, then this podcast is for you. If you're looking to get out of that lockdown rut, then this podcast is for you. If you're looking to get more energy from feeling lazy all the time, then this podcast is for you. If you just simply want to level up in your life, then this is for you. My name is Patrick Hong, and I'm the host of Think Inspire, a podcast that helps people who want to create momentum in their fitness journey and keep the body of their dreams. Welcome to Think Inspire. Welcome to the Think Inspire podcast with your boy, Coach Pat and Coach Ronnie. What's going on, team? What is going on, team? It is a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be alive. So we're coming in with an interesting live today. I feel like it's going to be super relatable for someone that is a beginner. We used to be beginners. We did. Everyone starts somewhere. I started when I was 17. What about you? I started when I was about 15. So I went to the gym with my high school buddies and they all lifted like literally twice as much as I did. Yeah. And um, I was very, very incompetent. So I know exactly how it feels to be um, not ready to be in the gym. My older brother showed me how to deadlift. I couldn't walk for three weeks. That was my introduction to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, pick the, pick the bar off the floor, straight back, look forward. I'm like, yes, sir. No, thanks, older brother. I go in there. I'm like, like this? He's like, yeah, no, we need more weight. I'm like, I've never done this before. He's like, don't be a pussy. I'm like, hmm, that's great advice. So I went to pick up the bar. Next minute, I'm, oh, I feel something in my back. Is that normal? He's like, why are you complaining? <laughs> I'm like, uh, my back hurts. He's like, your back should hurt. It's a, it's a back exercise. Well, okay. Three sets down, eight reps later, I can't walk. And my brother's like, what, do you need a walking stick? <laughs> so I got introduced in a very poor manner. I hurt myself pretty bad. I couldn't actually walk for three weeks. And I was plagued. I didn't want to go back to the gym. It was scary. What about you? Uh, well, my first experience at the gym was with my older brothers. So they used to do like CrossFit type workouts. So it was like super, super um, intense, like high rep shit. And um, I just basically felt like I was going to die every, like for a week afterward, every um, workout. Because like my, my muscles were definitely not used to the, the hypertrophy, hypertrophy type workouts that broke down my muscle tissue. And so I got into it for like a week. I did some workouts with him. And then like, I literally called it quits for like a year. Um, and then I got back into it later on, but like that first bit, it just wasn't fun. Like it was mentally tough. It was physically tough. It made me want to quit. Mm, mm. Yeah, it was pretty tough, but, um, something made us come back. Like for me, when I first started my fitness training for anyone here watching and listening, you know, it's, it's really difficult when you do it wrong. When you do it by yourself, you don't know where you're going. You get lost. There's no Google maps. So you end up making a lot of mistakes. You don't really know what those mistakes are until you have a coach that says, why did you do that? You don't know what you don't know, right? So, you know, me and Ronnie look after about 94 students in the academy. So, like, we kind of understand what most people go through on their first, like, phase of their fitness journey. So, what we want to do is break down, like, some really easy steps. If you just got started and you had some time off, like, what's your first go-to moves, right? So, I've got four things that I would say are the first four steps to starting a fitness journey. Your first 14 days in the gym, whether you're overweight, whether you're a mom looking to get back her. Uh, before mum body. Um, if you're a guy out there who wants to look good, feel good, get out there, be on the dating market and, you know, attract the woman or man of their dreams. So the first thing you need to do to contrary to popular belief is actually pick, pack your gym bag. I mean, how many times do people go to the gym? You always hear it. 
bro, I forgot my headphones. I got to go back home. Yeah. Oh man, my protein shake. I can't work out with my head without my headphones. Oh shit. Like, um, I don't have the right runners cause I'm like squatting today. Like, what do you pack when you go to the gym? When I go to the gym, it's my workout bottle with a little bit of protein in the bit in the bottom. Um, like I have a little canister that goes underneath the shake and it has protein for after my workout. So I got my shaker bottle and then I have a change of clothes for after the gym. Cause I shower there usually. And then I have like, um, my headphones and my phone. It's very minimalistic, but like I make sure that I always have those items in my bag because I know what it's like to forget your gym bag and then, Oh shit, I got to listen to the crappy gym music, you know, which is not good. It sounds like club music. That's hey, like really bad. Let's be honest now. There's a pretty crappy gym music out there. Yeah. I love Whitney Houston when I like try to go to sleep, <laughs> but not when I'm trying to hit a PR. Like I don't want to hear, I will always love you on repeat. No, not me. So <laughs> there's a time and place for anything, everything. And that is not the time or place. So pack your headphones, pack your protein shake, pack your, pack your towel, like especially in 2022. Like the last thing you want to do is go to the gym and like, oh, sorry, you need to bring a towel to go inside. And you're like, why? Well, look, there's lots of rules out there now, especially with all the COVID and all the hand sanitizing rules. Like you need to bring a towel in most gyms. So pack your own towel. Um, I always I always think, you know, walking into the gym with a hoodie is going to be really important. Um, you know, I know for me, like I like feeling warmed up before I like train in shorts in the singlet because last thing you want to do is like injure yourself because you're, you know, you have poor blood flow or you're not warm enough. And that leads us to our next point. You know, first step is pack your gym bag. The second step is have a warm-up ritual. Hey guys, just a reminder that we offer coaching services. We help 20 to 30 year olds get the body of their dreams without consuming so much of their time. If you want to see more, check out some of our results on Instagram, thedreamteam.fitness. So Ronnie, talk to me about like you've been training for how long? Like five years now. Five years. And like, what's your warm-up ritual? Um, so I didn't always have a warm up ritual and I usually went right into my working sets, like, which are like the hard sets. And I, I got some like minor injuries. I'm blessed that it wasn't worse, but like about two years ago, I started warming up for like 10 minutes before every workout and my warm up ritual. Um, it honestly depends on what muscle group I'm training. I always warm up my shoulders because, um, you want to make sure like that's a, that's a very easy muscle group to injure like your shoulders, right? There's a lot of flexion there's a lot of movement that it's responsible for so you always want to open them up you want to get some swinging going on you want to do some like um, warm up the rear delts warm up the front delts all that stuff um, if i'm doing chest i'll usually do some like light flies um, to like open up the chest and make sure i'm feeling it on the way up and the way down um, for back i always it's just a light warm up like band pull aparts and then you know like easy shit for legs it's much more extensive my leg warm up uh, ritual is like it's like usually 50 Mm. So like you get leg swings, you get some body weight squats, you do some, um, I work with my glutes. So I do like some glute bridges, do some donkey kicks, all that type of stuff. Now for people that are watching, like this is someone that's been bodybuilding for quite a while. So he's more on an advanced level. Now for your beginner, like you don't really have to go through that much of a strenuous warm up routine, especially if you just got started. So what we would probably say is like, if you haven't walked throughout the day, if you're walking, if you're going to the gym, and you've had no movement, the last thing you want to do is get under a bar. The last thing you want to do is do some push-ups. Like, get on the treadmill. I mean, like, I think it gets a lot of flack. Like, exercising on a treadmill is not going to be intense. But if you're just getting started, honestly, walking on an incline on level five, um, 
for five minutes would be a pretty smart move, get that heart rate going. And then what you can do is start with like some bodyweight squats, some bodyweight pushups, some bodyweight lunges. And, you know, if you can, or if you have used the foam roller, you know, foam roll your lower back, foam roll your upper back, maybe do some like rotations with the dumbbell, get a band pull apart, like Ronnie said, and pull it over your head behind. That's going to open up your chest and your shoulders. And then that should be a 10 to 15 minute warm up protocol. I think for most people, it's just the overall um, warm up, not just like a isolation because not everyone's trying to be a bodybuilder and everyone starts differently. You know, I think I, I used to compete as a bodybuilder and there was like certain things I'd have to warm up specifically to get the muscle activating. And for Ronnie as well, he wants to put a muscle too. So you guys don't have to follow the same principles. You know, if you are in the Dream Team Academy, if you go to the guide section, there's an upper body warm up tutorial and there's a lower body warm-up tutorial that you can adhere to anytime really simple and really easy to use mm -hmm. and like it's if it's important for someone like me or pat who like have been bodybuilding for years to do a warm-up it's even more crucial for someone like uh who's just started in the gym because like your muscles are not hardened they're not conditioned so they need to be warmed up extensively in order to take like some working sets which is like some difficult lifting movements mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly so number three right um, step three is start with compound movements. I think, you know, in the bodybuilding world, you know, people would like to do like singular curls, uh, single tricep extensions, you know, lateral raises, front raises, like all these little exercises that, yeah, they do matter if you were like sub 20% body fat when you can actually see the muscle working. But most people that are like average, you know, just your typical dad bod or typical mum body, you want to start with the compound movements because that's going to help burn the most calories, give you the most metabolic damage, and obviously like work more muscle groups in one. Mm -hmm. When this is actually something that really hits home for me because I didn't ever do compound movements as the first exercise. It was literally like the last exercises. Like I always used to start with curls, like lateral raises, triceps, because uh, I didn't know any better. And then like after a couple of years of uh, it was like a, a year and a half to two years of like doing that. I got in the gym with a guy who'd actually been training for a long time. He's like, so what does your workout look like? And I was like, oh, I do this. And he's like, oh, what do you do for compounds? I was like, what's a compound? <laughs> right. And, uh, and then I started training for compounds and like, I saw like I, the results I saw in that first like year after starting out each workout with compounds, like it was a lot of results and um, I had to attribute it to being uh, doing compounds first thing. In the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. And if you've never lifted weights before, what a compound movement is, like the de definition of it is working more than one muscle group at a time. So an isolation is working one singular muscle group, a compound exercise is working more than two or three or four or five, or even the whole body. Okay. So for example, you've never done weights before. A simple thing like picking a medicine ball off the floor and slamming to the floor effectively is a compound movement. It's like the beginner version of a deadlift. Um, squats. So let's say you can't squat below parallel, meaning like your butt, your butt below your knees. You can literally sit on a, on a bench and stand up. And if you keep all your weight on your heels and your knees are tracking your toes, you're effectively doing a squat. The only difference is you don't have to carry your whole weight, especially if you're overweight. So I used to make all my clients who are overweight just squat on the on the bench for like the first two months. Yeah, and um, another cool thing to tell if you're doing a compound movement or not is if it works, if two or more joints are working at once, mm. right? So if only one joint is moving at a time, like let's say you're doing curls, that's only one joint moving, which is your elbow. But if you're doing a bench press, notice your shoulders and your elbows are both moving at the same time. 
or if you're doing a squat, it's your knees and your hips, mm -hmm. right? So that's a, another way to tell if you're doing um, a compound or an isolation movement. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, bodybuilding gets a lot of flack because it's like, oh, a whole bunch of meatheads or it's like obsessive girls looking in the mirror all the time. Like that's a poor narrative from a person that doesn't understand the language of weight training. Now, if you understand language, you also get to realize, because I'm a holistic coach, I look after people's bodies for like until they hit 50, 60, 70, 89 years of age, not just how they look today. And I believe that if you work the most compound type of movements, your daily routines become easier. Picking things off the floor becomes easier. Picking your baby off the floor and carrying groceries. it becomes easier. Groceries become easier. You know, like me and Joe, another coach from here, like pretty much did one trip from the car to the house and we had 10 bags with us. And that's something that we're very proud of actually. <laughs> As you should be. <laughs> you know, so like the reason why we joke about it, but it's really important. I feel like most people hurt their lower back and their knees by doing incorrect movement patterns throughout, throughout the house. I mean, everything, every time you pick something off the floor, incorrect movement pattern, incorrect movement pattern. And that's how people create injuries. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard a guy say, you know what? I put my lower back out because I was picking up the groceries. Listen, if the guy knew how to deadlift, he wouldn't have that problem. And if a guy, you know, is having trouble in the bedroom and his lower back hurts, I mean, that's pretty embarrassing. And, you know, not many people want to talk about that. But if you can do some hip thrusts and some deadlifts, I'm telling you, performance in the bedroom, we skyrocketed and everyone's happy after that. So it works for the elderly, the young people, the sexually active and people that actually want to become physically and sexually active too. So it hits everyone. Okay. Um, cool. That's, we've hammered the third part down pretty pat. Yeah. Um, so the fourth step, the fourth step is stay. Okay. There we go. Stay to RPE of five. So what is RPE? An RPE is rate per exertion, rate perceived exertion. Okay. Rate perceived exertion. What does that mean? It means, how much effort do you have towards one particular exercise? How much do you have left in the tank? For example, let's say you do 10 push-ups, and your RP is at five. That usually means you could probably do 10 more push-ups. Let's say your let's say your RPE is at nine. That usually means you probably have one or two push-ups before your form becomes like off, before you go to failure. Okay, so when you first start your first 14 days, your RPE should be about five. If it's around eight, nine, or 10, you're going too far, too fast, and you're going to get injured. That's why a lot of people don't get a gym membership because they don't like doing things that they don't know how to do. It's actually really important to have fear. Fear keeps you from getting injured, okay? If you're like an ego lifter, like the other day I was at the gym on a Friday night, I saw these kids like deadlifting and every single one of them tried to like outdo the other with poor form, poor technique, and everyone like, <laughs> their back was like a turtle, you know, and they walked off smiling and giggling. And I'm like, someone's going to hurt themselves, you know, because it's all ego lifting. I think having fear is very healthy. That's why when you first start, be safe, stay at an RPE of five, like have more left in the tank. Don't feel bad because it wasn't intense because like losing weight is not a sprint, it's a marathon. So I believe that everyone that joins the Dream Team Academy have a holistic approach about fat loss. That's why they stay long enough to see it stay off. Mm -hmm. So, um, another benefit to having a low RPE and your first two weeks of lifting is the fact that your after workout soreness is going to be much lower. And I have heard a lot of people talk about like the soreness, literally demotivating them from want to hit the gym again. Yeah. They're like, Oh fuck, bro. Like I can't walk. I can't move my shoulders. And like, I don't know if I can do this again. 
And so if you keep your rate perceived um, exertion at like a five, you are much likely to ease into it and continue going on. Like I haven't worked out legs in like three weeks to a month because I, I hurt my back in my quad and I got back into it four days ago uh, with Pat and he pushed me to like all the way. I was going beyond failure. Right. And um, I, it's like three days ago, three days ago, I still can't walk normally. <laughs> like it's just how it is. And so if I had have like been smart and done like a, a rate perceived exertion of like five, six, seven, um, that would have been much better. And I could have gotten back into the gym and done legs by now. Right. So that's same for you. If you're in your first two weeks of lifting. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you know, when you were lifting, I kind of knew that you were going to be really sore. I actually, my, my RP that I would probably be a six or a five, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had, I had a lot more left than tank. It's because like, I haven't done legs in a while and like anyone that has doesn't, like I was boxing for a bit. So that's besides the point. But it, when you do legs, like if you haven't done it in a while and if you skip leg day, you're, you're sore for seven days. If you do it properly, effectively, and like with an RP of eight or nine. And um, sometimes it's actually more beneficial to have less less doms and more in the tank for the next exercise for the next day. You know, because like you mentioned, like we we're doing deadlifts today that you were like, your hamstrings are still pretty tight. Oh, yeah. So... You know, I always think, hmm, unless you're competing, unless you're trying to get to like 10, 8%, 5% body fat like Carl, and you're trying to like get to a stage, like a stage or like a an event or a day, sometimes you have to go beyond the point of like, like real excruciating pain, hmm. you know? So I know that, but most general people that are getting started, you don't need that. You don't need to be the guy doing like box jumps with like 10 kilograms on his back. You don't need to do handstand pushups. You don't need any of that. Like the most simple things that used to work in the 90s and the 80s still work today. Technique and form above everything. And anyone that tells you otherwise is just, you know, selling their own beliefs. And I think for you as a beginner, you just need to start small. Yes. Like like I said, I was um, basically couldn't walk, right, for a bit. And I we were doing deadlifts today. And if you didn't know correct form, let's say with deadlifts, and you were like, your legs are killing you, and you go back into the gym and you try and deadlift, your form is most likely going to be very off, which then means you're probably going to injure yourself, which is really, really bad. Like, you don't want to get injured. Like, stay away from injuries, like, at all costs. And the only reason I didn't get injured today is because, like, I know my form, right? And But a lot of people don't. So, like, this is why it's important to have a low rate perceived, uh, perceived exertion. Mm -hmm. So that covers the four steps. We went over, number one, pack your gym bag. Number two, have a warm-up ritual. Number three, stay with compound movements. They are best and have an RP of five. So that wraps it up. If you got value from this, like down below, like tell us which one, which one stands out to you most, which one you, and which one are you already doing? Cool. That's it from the Think Inspire podcast with your boy, Coach Pat and Coach Ronnie. Let go. See you later. Busy people, listen up. This is the number one podcast for getting momentum in your fitness journey and keeping the body of your dreams. If you're getting value from this podcast and you want to learn how to create the health and physique of your dreams so you can feel confident in your everyday life, what I want you to do is go to my Instagram, Patrick Hong Fit, and DM me with the words energy. Our mission is to make busy people get the body of their dreams without spending countless hours in the gym or the kitchen. We want to give you the tools and strategies that some of our best clients are using in 2021. So go to my Instagram at Patrick Hong Fit and DM me the word energy.